I wanted to start tonight. How many guys have ever had a song that you sing a certain way for like years and all of a sudden you realize you had the lyrics wrong? Yeah? Anybody have a good example? What's that? I need to vacuum. Radioactive. I need to vacuum. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Um, how about, I've got a couple here. Here's one. I just died in your barn tonight. Mustard, no mayonnaise instead. I thought that was a funny one. Here's another one. Sweet dreams are made of cheese. You guys might have heard of uh, Hold Me Closer, Tony Danza. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. And then, uh, then I saw her face. Now I'm going to leave her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Online dating. Exactly. For, for me, it, it was always, um, you know the song, I'm Blue? I'm blue, abodee, abodee. I used to always think that it was, I'm blue. If I was green, I would die. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense in a little bit, but as much as that song can make sense. I'll come back to why I brought that up in a little bit, but I want to talk tonight about renewing your mind. And renewing your mind, I think, is so much more important than we actually realize. Um, and it starts with having an understanding of what Christ actually purchased for us. And when I was putting this message together and thinking about what did Jesus actually provide for us, the thought that came into my head is like when you go away on a trip and you come back and your kids run up and they're like, what did you get me? Like, you know, what did you get me? Jesus, what did he get us? And I think it's understanding what that actually is, is essential to being able to live our life and grow and have an impact in the world around us. There's a purpose and a destiny for each of us. So Isaiah 60, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Two times in that verse it says, First, it says the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Then it will say the Lord will ar arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. So glory, like this idea that we're carriers of his glory is a huge part of our calling. The word glory in Hebrew means it is kabaud. It's Hebrew. I don't know if they say it with a ch. It might be kabaud. But the idea is kabaud, that word implies heaviness. Not in a bad sense, not in, a, in a, like the guilt and shame kind of heaviness, but actually like when you, when you see an incredible sight, like you see this massive mountain range for the first time and you just have this weight on you of like awe and, and excitement. That's, that's what that word means. That's what glory means. And so for that glory to actually be upon us, I think it's a huge deal, but I also think we can unknowingly hinder that destiny. We can unknowingly diminish that that and not actually reflect what we're supposed to reflect so i'm going to read a passage here in ephesians and it says now this i say and testify in the lord that you must no longer walk as the gentiles do in the futility of their minds they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of god because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity, 
But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So what I love about this passage is it's, it's giving this juxtaposition of here's what the world's going through. And just like it said in the verse in Isaiah, like thick darkness have cover, has covered the people. The world is kind of making their own choices. And it's saying, but when you come to Christ, what you should have been taught is kind of what he says, is you should have been taught that your old self is gone. Your old self actually needs to be put to death and you put on a new self. And what's interesting about all that to me is there's a lot of action verbs in there that, that are requiring us to actually perform action. When we get saved, when we're reborn, we actually have to partner with God in that process. Our role in the process is to actually believe that we've been reborn and actually allow our minds to be renewed, actually believe that the old self is gone. So the big questions as we're trying to renew our minds is who are we? Who have we been made in Christ? So Ephesians says, for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So I love that this is the... uh, Is this the Passion Translation? I think it is. Anyway, it says, for God has recreated you. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. So who are we? We're new. We're something different. We're changed. The next question I have is, what have we been given? So we're different. We're changed. We're a new creation. What does that consist of? So... This is not exhaustive, but a couple of the biggies that occurred to me is we've been given, first of all, the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, For who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? And then it says, Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. Now, it's a really cool verse saying, okay, we have the mind of Christ, but did you notice it's also actually saying because we have the mind of Christ that we know the mind of the Lord well enough to be his counselor. Think about that position. Actually being able to have discussion and dialogue with God about what he wants to do, just like Abraham, just like we see in the Old Testament. The mind of Christ, now do we all operate in that all the time? Joe laughs, he's like, oh yeah. (laughs) No, we don't. But there's a reason for that, and I'm, I'm going to get to that. And I think, I think there's something that we can, we can shift in our perception about how that works. We've also been given, what have we been, we've been given? The mind of Christ, we've been given the Holy Spirit, right? Ephesians 2.22 says, This means that God is transforming each one of you into the Holy of Holies, his dwelling pl- place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So we have the presence of the living God. We have the Spirit of Jesus living inside of us. And then one of the third, the third thing is, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, he says. So we have the mind of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the keys of the kingdom. And it says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So the problem with all of this is 
we we meet Christ, we have this encounter with him, we experience him, we become a new creation. And then a lot of times the question is, okay, so then what? What does that mean? What do we move into from there? And we get stuck in patterns of mind that we've grown up with, that we've had most of our lives. So how many of you guys, have you guys ever done any, listened to anything or read anything on neural pathways and how they develop and how that all works? I see some nods. All right. So that means that you guys are going to probably know it better than me. And if I'm wrong, you can just throw stuff at me. <laughs> but I mean, and I'm, I'm taking some of this metaphor, but if you were to take like a piece of soft cheese and you drop a scalding hot metal ball into it, it's going to dig a hole in there and it's going to create a pathway. And when we have a thought, something like that takes place. When we have a thought that is similar to something that we typically think over and over and over again, that pathway expands and it becomes, it goes from, you know, this little pathway to something much bigger. And our minds are lazy. Our minds are lazy. They want to go, our mind wants to go to the easiest thought. So I'll give you an example. If you have a thought, Let's say as a little kid, something happens and you try to make something, you try to build something, you try to do something, and it's complete failure. And somebody says, well, you just screwed that up big time. And something latches on inside of you. The next time you try something, the first thought in your head is, oh, I hope I don't screw it up. And then you finish it. And the next thought is, I'm pretty sure I screwed that up. And you start to widen that pathway. And that neural pathway becomes a channel so that when you do something, it could be that you did it in such a way that everybody's coming up to tell you how amazing it was, but your first thought as they're approaching is, crap, I'm going to get totally nitpicked and torn apart here. Because you've created a super highway of this thought and this pattern in your mind. And what's interesting is this is a biological function. It's, it's a way that God created us and designed us. But when we get stuck in that pattern it can actually prevent us from being able to access new pathways if we're not intentional about it. So, you hear a song and you think it's a certain way long enough, you hear the song, your mind goes to what you've always known, and sometimes relearning can actually take a little bit of time. It took me a while to get those abadi abadies instead of if I was green, I would die. See, forming a new route takes energy. And our mind, in to be creative and to come up with an innovative thought is not something that just occurs on its own. So if I was to ask you guys, from your home to church here, how many different ways, what, what, what are some of the different ways that you could get here? Come on, help me out. How could you get here? So you could drive, right? You could drive. What's another method? That, yeah, right. How? <laughs> and that works too. But no, like, let's talk about method of transportation. Like, how could you get here? Hoverboard. See? There you go. That's getting creative. You could hitchhike. You could drive. You could walk. You could bike it, right? If you wanted to get a direct route between your house and here, what's, what's a possible option? Helicopter, right? What's that? Did you say probe? A crow. As the crow flies. Uh, you could dig a tunnel, right? Do a little Tesla transportation. There's a lot of different things that you could think of, but if you're not actually intentionally 
like this brainstorming session, why did this work so well? Because there's more than one of us. People are throwing out ideas that other people might not think of. When you're actually in this kind of environment, you can get creative and innovative and come up with a new idea. When you're on your own, typically our mind is going to want to go to what it's always gone to. But the other thing is when we're surrounded by other people and we're, we're hearing what they say over and over and over again, that actually can create pathways. So sometimes it's not just the thoughts that you think and the route that you typically take. Sometimes it's what you're listening to, what you're absorbing and what you're taking in. Sometimes you take in enough news from a news station and they're not just telling you what the news is, they're telling you how to interpret the news. It actually starts to influence your neural pathways and where you go to. So the key is with how we think and I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, are you, are, are your thoughts, the pathways that you've developed, is it the same as what he's saying? Or is it what you're hearing or what you've taught yourself or what other people have told you for so long? I was challenged a couple days ago, actually, by God to really start investigating my own life and to start looking at what does it actually mean to be a child of God? What has he given us? What has he offered to us? And how much of that am I actually living in? And so I've, I've been processing. So, I mean, even as I'm talking about this, this is something that I'm very much in the middle of. But the question is, if he's given us the keys to the kingdom, if he says what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, if we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ, then why is it that I still find myself typically going back to what Paul said, what I do, I don't want to do, and what I want to do, I don't do. And I think the reality is, as, as much as I hate to admit it, because I have a tendency to go and re resurrect that old creation and let it take the wheel again. And I think we have an enemy of our souls. He's out there. And I think one of his greatest weapons is not even to get us to believe a crazy lie or you know, unforgiveness, those are kind of the two biggies. But a lot of times he can get us just by getting us to believe that nothing has changed. Because if we're not a new creation and nothing has changed, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, you know, I'm just the same as anybody else, I'm just forgiven. How many times have you heard that? I've heard that a bunch. I'm the same as you, I'm just forgiven. If Jesus died for us to be the same as we always were, just forgiven? What, really? That's it? Nothing has changed? And yet, everything in here says we've changed. The old is gone. The old isn't, isn't like a step behind us. It's not yesterday. We're talking as far as the east is from the west, the old is gone. And the new has come. The problem is... We have to have, if we have a faith that doesn't require us to believe that, it doesn't require any faith. It doesn't require faith to believe I'm, I'm forgiven necessarily. It does require faith to believe that I'm new. It actually requires faith to believe that I have the mind of Christ. It actually requires faith to believe that I have the keys to the kingdom because he got, went and got them and gave them to me. But when we make the decision that that is the neural pathway we're going to build, it starts to shift things in our life. 
If I start to approach conflict with my wife, with my family, with the knowledge that I'm a new creation, if I start to approach difficulty and struggles at work and disappointments with the knowledge that I have the mind of Christ, all of a sudden, instead of the constant feeling that I'm fighting upward against battles that I can't really defeat, you start to have the sense that of, of the top-down perspective. I'm seated with him in heavenly places, so the problem down here, I've got the resources of heaven at my disposal to bring to bear on this. This ain't no biggie. I can handle this. It doesn't mean we don't experience difficult things. It doesn't mean trials don't come. What it means is we know we are in a different position to be able to take action. For me, um, one of the ways that I'm practicing putting myself into this mindset is when I see somebody who needs prayer or who needs uh, uh, healing for something, I'm, I'm just going for it. When I, when I am in a room with people, I'm actually starting to ask God, what do you want to say to these people? And asking him for words for people. That may not, if you know me, you know I've, I've given words here and there. I've prayed for people that are sick. That may not seem like a big deal to you. To me, I actually don't like to be seen. I don't like to be noticed. I don't like to put myself out there. I was on a plane just the other day driving out to help my, dri- my dad drive back from Phoenix. And on a plane, my favorite thing is to pop my headphones in, get a good book or a journal, and just, like, dig in and get completely alone. You hear all these stories of people that go on planes and they, like, make friends with the people around them. And, like, man, I brought so many people to to Christ on planes. Like, that is not me. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to look at you. If you look at me, I'm going to pretend I don't see because my eyes are closed and I'm listening to my, my jam. Like, I am a, a, an extrovert with very introverted tendencies, <laughs> But I was on this plane the other day, and it happened. Like, as soon as I went to sit down, like, she made eye contact, and I was like, I know we're going to be talking. (laughs) And then the other lady came and sat on the other side of me, and I'm riding right in the middle, and I could see she made eye contact, and like, okay, I'm going to have to gear up for this. Thankfully, it was only an hour and 20-minute flight. but (laughs) But we did. We talked the whole time, and it was great. And for me, like, I actually had to die to myself a little bit, twofold. One, I had to say, okay, I'm giving up my comfort and my normal relaxation or reading time. I had my podcast downloaded that I couldn't listen to. But two, I also had to say, okay, I'm engaging in this. So let's just get past my, I want to do better than just not whining. Let's go from not whining about it to actually seeing what can I bring in this situation? How can I bring life? And so we had great conversations, and one of the ladies was like, you know, I, I was hit by a car, and I lost feeling in my leg and uh, in my hip, and so I'm going to go look, get looked at by a doctor again in a week. And so I just asked her if I could pray for her, and I did. I don't know if she got healed. I mean, we walked together off the plane. I, I, would, I would imagine, I would assume that if she felt better, she would have said something. I didn't check back in. I probably should have. And I'm trying to get better at this. But honestly, I'm sharing my story with you guys not because it was this monumental wild success, but to say, I know people who have prayed for over 100 people and nobody got healed. And then 101, all of a sudden, stuff starts to happen. And so I'm sharing with you guys, that's, that's something I'm personally trying to go for. Because I want to see, I want to see God move in the way that he wants to move. It's not about me, honestly. If I had my preference, I would not be doing that. I don't like meeting strangers, as weird as it sounds. I like it in environments where, where I'm comfortable. Like, here, awesome. I love meeting new people. 
But if I'm like out at the grocery store, I don't want God to tell me to go pray for somebody. That happened too. I was at Costco and I had to go pray for this lady's leg and I knew it. Did she get healed right then and there? Was she praising the Lord? No. Maybe she felt better the next day, but I'm going to keep doing it. Because to me, it's, it's not about me trying to make me popular. It's actually about me trying to believe and walk in the keys of the kingdom that I've been given. And the more that I step out into that and exercise that, the more I'm building my neural pathway and my faith is expanding. So I do believe it's going to shift. I do believe it's, if, if anything else, if nothing else, it's going to shift me. But I believe it's going to shift the world around me. When you believe that you can have an impact on the world around you, Je- Jesus has actually given you something of value to offer to the circumstances that you're surrounded by. Um, so I think the last question, you know, I asked who are we and what have we been given? I think the last question is what are we to do? And I think there's two massive things that Christ has called us to do. The first, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 and 19 says this. It says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So get this, God's plan, his big, his big plan is to take the entire world and everything in it and reconcile it to himself. And we are the vessels, the, the ministers of that reconciliation. Which means that where there's division, where there's brokenness, reconciliation is bringing together, it's mending, it's reuniting, it's, it's mending relationships, bodies, groups, communities, hearts, individuals. It's all and, yes. And that's the ministry he's given us. Another, another huge thing that I think is a piece of what we're called to is it says uh, in Ephesians 4, verse 30 through 32, it says, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Huge piece of reconciliation means that it has to start with us. If I say I love God, but I hate my brother or my sister, I actually don't love God. Like it is, it is possible to love people and not love God. It is not possible to love God and not love people. Have you been graciously forgiven? Then graciously forgive. The old creation, the old me, says reconciliation is too hard. That's too big a thing. I don't have what it takes. Really, I don't even have enough time or resources. I only have enough time and resources for myself and a couple of people around me. And our tendency is to say, like, this is what I can manage. I can manage just this little circle. That's true of the old creation. But the new creation, 
We have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the keys of the kingdom. We have access to the resources of heaven. You've been given the solution to the problems of, the, of what's happening around you through the Holy Spirit. I mean, we have God at our side to be able to just ask him, what's going on? How can I do this? And he speaks. But sometimes it's going to take time rebuilding that neural pathway. Sometimes rebuilding the neural pathway of hearing God actually means that you might need to sit in silence for a long time and you might need to really trust what's going on inside of you a little bit more. You might need to trust the thoughts that, that pop up, the, the, the feelings that you feel. You might need to trust that he's actually going to reveal himself internally inside of you instead of thinking, oh, that's just me. The old creation also says, I'll only forgive if they apologize and if they change. The new creation says, I'm here for the express purpose of changing the world around me. I'm here for the express purpose of bringing forgiveness and freedom to other people. I I'm, will release everybody that has offended me because it sets me free and it sets them free. And I am a man about freedom. I am a woman ab about freedom. So I wanted to share with you guys because this is kind of the lesson I'm going through right now. It's, act it's funny, I actually had a whole other message I wanted to talk about and God's like, nope, I want you to talk about the one you're working on. So this is what I'm working on and I'm trying to figure out more and more where am I not align aligning with what he says about me? Where am I acting? Out? Like, I'll tell you, a, p a piece of this process for me was he actually listed out several lies that I've been believing that are limitations that I put on myself. Think, you know, and it's simple, dumb, easy things. And I'll tell you, like, so things like, if I don't get rest right now, I'll never get rest. And so I've got to stop what I'm doing and rest. Or I just don't have enough energy. Or, you know, I need to be well rested for tomorrow. So I'm just going to avoid doing this thing that needs to get done so that I can just go get rest. A lot of it for me revolves, I mean, I have four young kids, so that's kind of a no-brainer. <laughs> but... but that's, that's a lot of it for me. A lot of it for me is actually knowing and believing and acknowledging that, no, I can actually live excellently in, in my marriage and with my kids and with my family and with my job and with my ministry. I don't really have to let things slide. I do have enough energy. I'm not bone dry. I'm not on, on the edge of burnout. So that's kind of what it looks like for me. What it looks like for you, I don't know, but I want to encourage you as you go through your week, try to think about what is it that he is saying about you that you're struggling to step into and why? What is it that's keeping you from getting there? Because I guarantee you, he didn't just create us to have, have a wonderful marriage and job and all of those things are great, but we are, we are the practitioners of the kingdom on this earth, in our workplaces, in our city, and in our families. So... You have to start strong with you and get healthy outward from there. But all of that starts with choosing how are you going to renew your mind? What voice are you going to listen to? And what pathways are you going to build? So, so God, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of a new identity, of a new creation. God, we thank you that you want to partner with us, that you've designed us to cooperate with you, 
and bringing heaven to earth. And God, we just ask that you would align us with your view of us and what you've given us. And God, I pray wherever we're being held up, wherever we're struggling to believe an aspect of the new creation, that you would point out, God, what it is that, that is causing that, what we're holding on to, what we're believing, what we're thinking. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would easily remove those barriers. God, we, we just ask for more of your grace on our hearts, for more of your grace in our marriage, uh, more of your grace, God, a, a, as parents, in friendships with people around us, um, as sons and as daughters. And God, I just ask that you would show us what it means fully to be your kids. We love you. We thank you. Amen.